Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, January 9th. As you listeners are well aware of, Chris Halliors and myself in Ann Arbor all week long taking on the play-by-play responsibilities for this week's Oracle Pro Series event in Ann Arbor, first week of the year on the ATP Challenger Tour. So obviously we at Cracked Rackets are so excited to not only get to foray into the play-by-play realm, but also to see how all these guys look at the beginning of the season. And with it being the turn of the year, the start of 2020, it's not just the pros that are getting underway. As you know, all these past 10 weeks, we at Cracked Rackets have been doing our college contender series, looking at the top 10 teams that ended the 2019 men's season reviewing how their 2020 seasons are going to look. We've talked to all of the head coaches thus far from teams 10 through 3 on our Cracked Interviews podcast, as well as broken down the teams alongside Matt Stachowiak, Chris Heliors, and myself here at the Mini Break Podcast. And that's what we're doing today. We know it's a little later in the week than usual, but we didn't want to leave you all high and dry without your series, uh, your weekly hit of College Contenders. So joining me on tonight's mini break to talk about our next team, you know him as one of your favorite writers from our website, CrackedRackets.com, a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, and of course, a man I affectionately refer to as Matt the Cracks the Koyak. Matty, welcome back to the mini break pod. Hey man, thank you. Uh, we only got a couple of these guys left, so we got to make these pods good, man. I'm ready was, to rock and roll. I was going to say, I was talking to Chris beforehand, and we were debating, you know, are we going to do college contenders this week? Should we skip it because of the play-by-play stuff? But we're so close to the finish line. Two teams left, as you mentioned, and yeah, it just would feel incomplete if we didn't hit these last two before the dual match season really gets underway. And as I mentioned, joining me here in Ann Arbor in person for a college contenders podcast, you know him as the forefather of the collegetennisranks.com formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR and, of course, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. Chris Halliars, always great to do these in person. Hey, thanks. I'm uh, glad to be here. Good to be in person and uh, glad glad to get talking about some Wake Forest tennis here. Absolutely. I know we are both extremely excited for that opportunity. You and I, Chris, had the chance to talk earlier today with Tony Bresky for that portion of this College Contender Series, looking at a Wake Forest team that's coming off of a National Indoors Finals appearance, coming off of an NCAA Title Finals appearance. So they're obviously a very interesting to start. Before we recap their 2019, Maddie Westoff, can I get a College Contender sound effect, please? So let's start there as we always start. Matt, I mentioned the the big things they accomplished last year, but talk a little bit about that 2019 Wake Forest coming, really, that 2019 season, the culmination of a three-year fantastic run for the Demon Deacons. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. I mean, these guys have been at the top now for for several years, it seems. Uh, Coach Bresky's done a great job. You know, he's bringing in lots of talented players. Um, and last year was awesome. I mean, coming off their their national title the year before, they go 34 and four in 2019. Obviously, they run the table again in the ACC. They're able to win another ACC uh, tournament. And you know, going into the NCAA's, they made that final match, man. I mean, it came down to them in Texas. Um, obviously tough one there but you know they these guys are so good at home I mean they go 20 and 0 um again you mentioned their their national indoors uh run all the way to the finals only Ohio State could stop them there um a team that we know is always very good indoors so um you know not not a bad loss whatsoever um they did have a loss to Virginia um early in the year I'm sure you like that one Gruskin but uh the Deeks were actually able to avenge that three times they they played four times last year Wake and UVA 
NCAA. And um, Wake was able to come back, beat him in March, beat him again at the ACC tournament on a neutral site. Um, and then also in the quarters of the NCAA tournament. So overall, I mean, a phenomenal year. There's not much that we can nitpick. Um, and so, you know, again, they're, they're looking good for, for 2020. You mentioned all the success they had, so much of a central part to that success. The play they got from their seniors, in particular Petros Risokos, finishing out what is obviously one of the best four-year college careers we saw, not only in the 2010s, but maybe of any guy to play the men's sport, you know, a guy who won the NCAA singles title his junior year, did it from the two singles position where I think he lost once that entire season. Uh, you look at what he did last season for the Deeks. He went an outstanding 32-4 and overall, 23-3 and in the dual match season. Born a Gojo, a guy they had at, at the number one single spot, the finalist from the year before who lost to Sri Sokos. He had another great season going 13-4 and at the one singles position. And then, of course, Barbotzer, who went a ridiculous 25-2 and during the dual match season, 40-6 and overall in singles play on the year. And that was really the theme for that 2019 edition of the of the roster right Chris they were so top heavy with those top three guys yeah, absolutely I mean that that was kind of as we've stated in many times before you knew what you were going to get from the top three and you didn't know necessarily what you were going to get or even who you were going to get uh from the from the bottom three maybe uh maybe you were pretty sure you were getting Estathiu at, at four but then five six was always a toss-up and and you know Tony obviously tried a very a various no, number of combinations there uh, that worked, you know, pretty pretty well for him. Uh, I mean, got him the, the finals of indoors, finals of NCAA's, but just not quite not quite over the hump. But in all honesty, you know, as I'm sure we'll get into, it wasn't even that part of the lineup that cost him at the end. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris. And it's this idea that for Coach Bresky last year, he knew exactly what he could rely on in those top three. He knew, okay, we're going to get two of three of Petros, Borna, and Barr for sure. We just got to find two more from there, and there's comfort for that when you, you, know, you only have to find two more points during the match now. They lost 13 doubles points in 2019. That's a disaster. And, you know, the one match they win the doubles point against Wake For uh, against Texas in that final for Wake Forest, they lose that match. And I have to think you come down to the year-end run, part of the thing that was exposed is, look, Gojo went three sets in the quarterfinals against uh, Soderlund. He went three sets in the semifinals against Blumberg. He was out of gas by the time he played Siskard in that final. Same thing for Petros. He got just a battle with Brandon Nakashima in that cor- uh, in the semifinals battle with Ben Seguin and he played a guy in Yuya Ito who obviously has started out this year on fire and they were just so reliant on those guys that you know Sid Banthia at six singles had stepped up by the end of the season but when they got losses from Gojo in that final match it was just they got a loss from Banthia as well Sid Banthia who went 23 and 8 overall in the dual match year 15 and 6 at the six singles position Matt, it was, you know, as much as they return all of the depth, right? The Estafalus, the Kungus, the uh, everyone but Frisokos and Zlobinski. And by the way, we'll get to Bornegoja, whether he's coming back or not in a little bit. But that's the question as you head into this 2020 rendition for Wake Forest, right? Does their roster, the players on the roster from last year, do they make a jump forward this fall, this spring for the dual match season? Yeah, I mean, that's that's obviously the question, right? That's yet to be determined, and I, I don't know, man. I mean, just watching them a lot last year, obviously, they're close to home for me. Um, I watch a lot of Wake Forest tennis, and, you know, you mentioned guys like Kungu and Banthia, and just from watching them, I mean, I don't know how much they really have to be able to elevate you know, several positions up in the lineup if they were forced to do that. I think they can be reliable down low, four, five, six. Um, they can be those types of guys. But again, you know, when you lose a Petros and you lose a Gojo, I'm of the mindset that Borna Gojo will not be playing. So I'm, that's how I'm factoring this in. Um, guys are going to have to move up. Barbotzer, we know what he can do. I'm not worried about him. Um, he'll be able to hold his own. He's he's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, those other guys, I think uh, Coach Bresky's going to be relying on a, a couple of freshmen as well to come in and and hopefully put up some big numbers because I think they're going to have to if these guys want to compete, you know, be a top five type team in the country, win the ACC again and go super deep in the NCAAs. Um, they're going to need some freshman contributions. 
So you bring up the Gojo question. Let's do this now before we get into some of the freshmen and other players we'll see. And again, we asked Coach Bresky about all of these things, and the only reason we bring up uh, Borna Gojo is because when we asked Chris, uh, is Borna Gojo in line to play? He is still, uh, by uh, eligibility, a senior this year. You know, is there a chance we see him? And Chris, Coach Bresky was pretty coy about it. He said, look, we're going to line it up just in case he can play. It sounds like there really is a chance we see him this dual match season. Yeah, I mean, he certainly made it sound like uh, the answer to the question of is he NCAA eligible sounds like a yes. Is he, which I think means probably that he's, you know, he's got his schooling in line, he's maintained his eligibility status, but, you know, from that standpoint, the question is, you know, didn't he theoretically elect to turn pro and play pro events and start collecting money? So I... I don't know, you know, I I don't know that, and and maybe it's maybe it's dependent upon, you know, the guys now nowadays. For for a lot of the listeners that may not know, you can you know you can collect a certain amount of money to effectively cover expenses. So even college players can win money at pro tournaments as long as the money they're winning is just enough to cover the expenses that they're incurring while traveling to play those tournaments. So maybe maybe his thinking, and he didn't get into that, right, but maybe his thinking is, well, you know, if he only wins enough that he still falls under the guidelines of he's covering his expenses, he's still NCAA eligible, we've got him on, he's met the school standards, maybe. I'm with you. I don't think it happens, but uh, I think, you know, he's trying to keep Keep, a, keep the door open, which, you know, heck, if I could, I would too, uh, you know, but I, I just don't know that it's going to work out. He's blowing smoke, guys. I'm just telling you right now, Coach Bresky wants everybody to think that he's rostered and that he could show up and play. He's doing that as a scare tactic, and I get it, um, but it's, look, Bourne is up to 275 in the world. That's his current singles ranking, ATP. Um, I just, I think he's ready to move on. I mean, he, he loses his guy, Petros. Um, I, I think he's going to give this pro thing a shot. He's already announced he's turned pro. He's not looking back. I, I'm not counting on him whatsoever. That's so, that's what I'm saying. So two counterpoints. One, and it was the funniest moment maybe in the history of the Cracked Interviews podcast, when Coach Bresky talks about how do you know if a guy's ready to go pro or not, uh, he goes, well— you know, unless you're making the second round of the U.S. Open, you probably can come back to college. And then, you know, Chris and I are sitting there in silence thinking, oh, my God, did he just take a shot at Brian Boland and Jensen Brooksby? And then, of course, afterwards he goes, by the way, that's a shot at Brian Boland and Jensen Brooksby as a joke. And so <laughs> he makes that very clear, which was just hilarious. Um, but to your point of being number 275, I think it was something when we talked to Petros a bunch last year and to Borna, they love it. They love being Demon Deacons. They love competing in college tennis, having the success that they are having. It's gratifying, right? Who doesn't enjoy winning as often as those two guys have over the past two, three years? And for for Gojo, I know you're 275, but he was able to balance between the two last year. It's not as though his pro ranking suffered. You know, he enters this season in the top 300 despite playing a relatively limited but still somewhat full dual match season. I mean, I I know it's crazy, right? Because he has had some very good pro results, but I'm saying it's t- it's a toss up right now. I'm more confident that we're going to see him than I was that we were going to see Ian Dempster last year. It, it just was from the way Bresky said it, right? He just Chris, he seemed so certain that Gojo. Not certain's the wrong word. He just seemed. Don't buy it. He left it open for interpretation, Chris, and that means something. Well, I'm a little more with Matt here, though. I think, yeah, he he left it open, but I don't know that there's a whole lot to trying to let people think he might play. I mean, it doesn't matter whether they think he might or not. I mean, it, when they show up on match day and he's not there, that's all that really matters. It's not like you psych them out by telling people he's coming. But, uh, but no, I don't. I mean, I, I, I th- again, I think it's it's really just a matter of is there any is he actually eligible, and then. Does he act? Is he around? And does he actually want to play? You know, heck, if he could keep him eligible, and the guy played pro tournaments all the entire spring, and then showed up for conference tournament, and he was allowed to play, sure, Tony, take him. <laughs> Without a doubt, who wouldn't? 
and you look at uh, the rest of this roster, guys, they bring back. We've talked a little bit about Kungu. We look at his stats. He went 16-11 uh, and 11 during the dual match season, 8-7 and seven at the four-single spot. Estafalu, who went 22-8, and 8-3 eight, eight and three mostly at the five-single spot. Uh, Yuval Solomon, 8-5 and five during the dual match season, 4-0 at three singles, but 0-4 oh at five singles. That's a funky record. That's indicative. He was playing more against the lesser opponents, we'll say, not as much in the big matches. Uh, and then the rest of their lineup, we mentioned Botzer and Banthia, who they're getting back for sure, but you turn to the new guys, and uh, you know, in, in Tahabadi, uh, he's getting a guy who is top 50 junior in the ITF, a guy who's been top 1,000 pro rankings-wise, in Henry Squire, a German guy, again, another guy who's been top 1,000 in the ATP rankings. Uh, you look at these new guys, Matt, and I are, actually, I'm going to go to you here first, Chris. Is there anything from the fall, the summer, that stands out? about these new additions, about the guys coming back that has you think, okay, even without Gojo, you know, maybe this is a team that can still compete for a top eight seed come NCAA time. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Man, I think top eight's going to be... A little bit of a stretch. I mean, the new guys coming in. Body's got. He's looked. Pre, he's looked good. You know, in in things he's played outside of uh, college, really. But um, but to to bring in like Matt said, I think they're going to be dependent on these guys. And I think Body and Squire are going to. They're going to have to play. Uh, and you know, there's no way that you're going to try to tell somebody that Body and Squire are replacing Goyo and Rousseau. That's just not going to happen, right? <laughs> they so, could replace Sablinski, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's definitely you're taking a step down, and if you have to take a step down, even even if you think it's a fairly small, which is debatable, um, your North Carolina's not taking a step down. So it's, I mean, it's going to be tough. Baylor's not taking a step down. Florida, uh, it's everyone. Florida's not taking a step down. Uh, you know, te- Texas isn't taking a step down. I mean, mm. it's A and M and TCU certainly aren't. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's and you know, and Texas has got a. They've got some new guys coming in. Uh, a, a new, they had a new January guy. You know, fairly late, but um, yeah, I just don't. I don't see it. I think top eight's going to really be a stretch for them. Uh, but as we've talked before, I think. For the you know for them to finish second in the ACC, very very realistic. I think that's where they're that's where I would put them. But uh, but it's just, but it's a big leap to get from where they are to North Carolina. And I think if Botzer, who looked good winning, I believe the Carolina Regional, uh, Sid Banthia probably going to be in the lineup. Hopefully, you know for them four, five, or six would probably be the best place for him. You know those two guys wherever they are probably going to have a good amount of success but now you know you start to look beyond that and Matt you know again if Gojo's in the equation bots are at two Gojo at one that's a top two that can compete with anyone now we're really talking but should Gojo not play for much of the year Again, Banthi is a guy who got a bunch of wins, but from positions two through five, there's a lot of flux, right? And I'm curious, as you were writing your piece for our website, were there any fall results that stood out to you in terms of, you know, the way Duarte Valle for Florida, it seems like he's really going to end up playing, uh, you know, three or four singles because of how good he's been this fall. Is there anyone like that on the Wake Forest team outside of Botzer who you've seen step up thus far? No, I really haven't. And I got to watch these guys in the fall, um, especially at the regionals. Again, you mentioned Botzer. He was great. Um, I think his game is continuing to improve. But yeah, those other guys, man, the Banthias, the Kungus, I really think they have to be low. I mean, they have to play five, six. That's where they're going to excel the most. Um, You know, and if they can do that... I mean, that's decent depth. I mean, those guys can compete at five and six, but then that means a guy like Body, you know, as a freshman, has to come in, play top three, um, Squires in there, and, and that's a lot to ask. But, you know, 
I'm a big fan of body. I mean, he's had some good results, like Chris mentioned, outside of college. I think he's got the ability to come in and be kind of an impact player for Wake this year. Um, I don't know quite as much about Squire. Um, but but again, you know, the Estathews, the Kungus, the Banthias, if those guys could play like four, five, six, they're going to rack up some wins, especially in the ACC. Maybe not against North Carolina. I agree with Chris, you know, uh, placing Wake number two behind them for sure. But um, I realistically... I mean, Tony's a good coach, man. I can see this team fighting for a top eight spot. I, I can see him fighting for that. You know, the the one guy I don't hear you talking about there, Maddie, that I think you probably uh, better than any of us have a little insight on is Robert Messiag. Yeah. Again, you know, transfer from Duke, things didn't work out, um, you know, in Durham for, for Messiag. I, I think... He's going to be a solid player, but again, probably more of a guy that you're going to want four, five, or six. I don't think he can step in top three and, and produce results. Not in the ACC. Not against the competition that Wake, you know, has on their schedule. Um, so he's a good depth player, you know, if there's injuries. Um, you know, if a Banthia or a Kungu gets hurt, um, you know, then that's a guy that can step in and he would be able to, you know, stem the tide a little bit. Um, but I wouldn't expect too, too much out of him, especially if he has to play higher in the lineup. I think that'd be a problem. Yeah, I, I wouldn't see him playing high in the lineup. I was I was more thinking, is, you know, just lineup period. Do, do you think he's, is he a guy that you see, is he in the lineup day, you know, come day one? I mean, I would probably say no. I mean, we've got, if we look Botzer, um, I've got Body in there. I would put, to be honest, just because they were there last year, Tony's more comfortable with them. If Stathiu, Kungu, and Banthia, um, if those guys are all healthy, I, I probably slot them in just ahead of Maciag. And then he's kind of that next guy. Um, so, you know, possibly at number six, Maybe. I mean, you know, obviously we don't know about, about Gojo. That that would change everything, but I'm assuming he's not there. So possibly a Maciag at six, but I, I don't see him coming in playing any higher than that right off the bat. I just don't. Well, you look at this lineup, and that seems to be the theme. I think you look at an Illinois, uh, who we're not going to talk about again in this preview, but who's, who's on the top of my mind as we've watched Alex Kofasevich perform so well here this week in Ann Arbor. You know, this is the opposite team. They don't have a definitive one, two, three. They've got a ton of guys who would be great at the four through six positions across the country. And so you look to project this lineup, and we've talked about it. It's it's a bit of a cluster, right? Because it's literally a bunch of guys who can play in a bunch of, you know, you could tell me Kungu plays four. You could tell me Estafalu plays four. You could tell me Solomon plays four. You could tell me Banthia plays four. And in every case, Matt, I feel like we would be like, yeah, that sounds about right. So as you're sorting, as you're trying to start to project this lineup, let's focus on the singles now, and then we can get to the doubles, which I think is also going to be a problem for them as they head into this year, just because they don't have any teams returning. Uh, but you look at the projected my, lineup, Matt. What are you thinking? And well, give me one. Assuming Gojo's playing one, so. For any of our listeners, assume that what Matt says, if Gojo comes in, he just plunks him on the top and everyone goes down. But first to you and then to you, Chris, what do you see the singles lineup looking like for this team, Matt? Yeah, I mean, we can slot Barbotzer in right at the top. You know, whether that's at sure. one without Gojo or two with, with Gojo, that's no question. That's easy. Um, he, he's just, he's playing well. I, I really like what, what he's been showing, especially this past fall. I think his game's improving. After that, I mean, I see a guy like Body as a freshman that has to come in and play top three. I just, I think he has to. Um, You know, especially without Borna Gojo. Especially without if they want to be top eight, right? Because I agree. Yeah. With you, if this team, a top eight team, means body clicked, means it works yes. in year one. Exactly. And and what I've seen from him on, you know, the pro circuit in juniors, he has that potential. He's talented enough to play top three at an ACC school like Wake. Um, we just, we haven't seen him yet. So we're going to kind of have to see how he transitions. But again, I'd prefer to have, you know, if Stathiu, Kungu, Banthia, four, five, six. That's how I'd put it. Um, those are Those are my next guys. I mean, um, so, Banthia at six 
is the dream scenario for them, right? Because whenever you can have continuity in a singles position, I mean, look at how good they were coming back off of that national championship. They lose Seraphim. They lose Mansuri. It didn't matter because Gojo and Frisokos at one and two, and then bots are jumping up one position. They could carry the heavy load. So I completely agree with you. You would love to see that if you're Coach Bresky, and that's probably a best-case scenario. Uh, Chris, I know you've got the UTRs out in front of you. It's really fun to get to do these next to one another because we both get an insight into our preparation processes. That's, you know, you're, you're learning my intimate things. You see my cheat sites where I find everything. It's all just a ripoff, obviously, from my cation. But my question to you, Chris, same thing, lineup-wise. What are you seeing for these uh, Demon Deacons in 2020? Well, I think there's no no question Botzer's playing one. Uh, you know, assuming that there's no Goyo. If Goyo's there, obviously we slide him down, like you said. But I say bots are one. I think we have a two-three of uh, of something between Body and Astathiu. Uh, I think those guys will play two-three in some order. I kind of think it's going to be Body two, uh, Astathiu three, um, and then I think uh, I think. F- Four will probably be uh, the young young German potentially in Henry Squire, but um, you know it's it's tough it's tough to put a kid there that's come you know that's coming in January. Uh, so it may be that you start the year with him a little further down. I think by the end of the year he he'll he'll find himself there, uh, but we may start a little you know a little bit lower, and then uh, and then I think. You know the guy, the one that's got me really thinking is is Tony seemed to be speak really highly of the of the shape and the form that Eduardo Nava's in right now. He, this is a guy that was you know was a, as a younger junior was a highly highly touted younger junior right up there with the ninety sixes we talked about on our live stream tonight with the Rubens with the Donaldsons. He was in that Kalamazoo quarterfinals. Yeah. And and you know had some injuries and you know hasn't seen a lot of a, a lot of action and and Tony seems to you know at, you know whether it's a show or not he seemed to be you know singing his praises today so if that is indeed true I could see him uh, making a making a play to be right in there with Kangu with Banthia uh, you know even Yuval Solomon but. I think I think at the start of the year we probably see him kind of more with the tried and true that he that he that worked that played last year performed last year and that's probably Kungu and Banthia. What surprised you more when Andrew Lutzeshang, whatever his name is, came up during the Tucker podcast, or when uh, Coach uh, Bresky was talking all about? Um, sorry, talking about I'm, I'm blanking out on the name here because talking about Eduardo Nava uh, on today's podcast. Probably the Nava topic because I think you you brought up blah blah blah. I'm not even going to try Lachanig or however he he told us we'd butcher it too. So we're not even going to bother. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, no. I just I I didn't you know. I think with many people, we had just kind of thought, yep, whatever had happened, you know, injuries, et cetera, that had happened to to, to Eduardo. He just you know. His he was just kind of riding it out, uh, but he seems to he seems to be speaking very highly. Like he's in great shape, he's playing well, he's got good form. Uh, so you know we'll see we'll see soon enough. We're about to get things kicked off. I cut you off there, Matt. But same thing. You look at the doubles lineup. It would certainly help Coach Bresky to have a big server like Nava to lean on. And again, Alan Godjev comes back. He's a guy we've seen in them put out there in doubles before Uh, we talk about the flux they have at the bottom of the singles lineup feels like a lot of guys on this big roster could play because coach Bresky is going to be playing with combinations all season long right yeah he is I mean when you lose guys like Gojo Petros who obviously were were huge in singles and doubles it's going to be tough I, I see it as you know, uh, again, a guy like Body as a freshman is going to have to come in and play, you know, probably pretty high in, in doubles as well. Maybe with Botzer up there at the number one spot. Um, Banthia and Efstathiu were actually a team. They teamed up for, for most of the year last year. I think they played three a majority of the time. So, I mean, Just that's a combination. That real quick, Matt, sorry to cut you off. They did play together. Uh, Banthia and Efstathiu, 12 and 11 on the year at three doubles. 
Yeah, so, I mean, their record was okay, but at least there's some familiarity there with that pairing. Um, so, again, maybe if you could slot them at number three, you feel good about that if you're Bresky because you're like, hey, these guys played three last year. You know, they're, they're, they work pretty well. Um, so, then it would be about finding one and two. I mean, Botzer, we know, is going to be in there. Um, Alan Gadjeev, I mean, you would think with as big as he is, um, you know, he can serve well, that he would find his way in there. So I, I would assume, you know, some form of botzer, um, body, and then, you know, Gadjeev and I don't know. I mean, Kungu won't see doubles, that's for sure. I mean, he's he's never played doubles, so I definitely wouldn't expect him. Maybe Squire, the, the young German, I, I don't know. It's tough to say. I think, I think in the beginning of the year, there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching, for sure. Yeah, without question. You know, maybe they'll turn to that trusty team of God, Jev, and Hannity, who went 1-0 and last year. Obviously, big results. That, that will point. not be happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Alan Godjev certainly a guy you would expect to see in the lineup more often. Although we should say, it's not as though doubles went well for Wake Forest last year. 13 doubles points lost. As I mentioned, their story last year, all about the comeback. It's okay, it's alright that we lost the one doubles point, or the doubles point, because we'll get Gojo, Risokos, Botzer, and then we just gotta find one more, and that margin of error is not going to be there for Coach Bresky this year, so it's clear uh, that they're going to have to find doubles combinations that work. They're not going to be able to go down 1-0 as often and just easily come back. So, Chris, you look at where they stack up, and Coach Bresky was so uh, complimentary of the ACC, and we've talked about it at length. You've got, obviously, UNC, Virginia, the big names up top, but the depth this year. NC State, Notre Dame, Florida State, some say Miami, Duke. Uh, it's a really deep conference. And so, again, with Gojo, without Gojo, because I feel like now we actually have to qualify all of these answers, where does this Wake Forest team stack up for you? And then after he goes mad, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't, for me, it actually doesn't really – it doesn't make a difference. It just narrows the gap. I've got them – ACC, I think they're they're number two. Uh, now, the the with or without Goyo might have made a difference uh, if we had Nakashima coming back. But now that Nakashima's not coming back, I think Virginia's uh, slotted in probably a notch below them uh, regardless. So I think either way, ACC-wise, they're, they're number two. And, uh, and yeah, Kenny Thorne, you can uh, call that to Alex Gruskin that left you off the list at Georgia Tech. Uh, but uh, they're in that mix as well, and, and then we can leave the rest of the schools out. Honestly, if Kenny Thorne wants to co- or call, that's his prerogative. <laughs> we'll try and stream him onto the play-by-play. Uh, but, Matt, your thoughts? Yeah, no, guys. I mean, I do think, speaking of Georgia Tech, I, I believe they will be improved uh, this year. That's a team to kind of keep an eye on in the ACC. I think they could cause a couple of upsets in the conference. But, no, I'm right on with Chris, man. I've got Wake slotted at number two. Um, I feel good about that. North Carolina clearly is the best team, in, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people's opinions. Um, Wake is that next team. I mean, you know Bresky's going to have these guys. I mean, they're not just going to fall off because they lose, you know, Gojo and Petros, it's not going to be completely the end of the world. Um, you know, they're just not going to be the favorite uh, to win the ACC like they've been the past, you know, few years. So um, I feel good about putting them at number two. The fact that UVA did lose Nakashima, that just knocks them down a little further. So um, I think there's a gap between one and two, and I think there's another gap kind of between two and three. See, half the reason I want Gojo to come back is it's like a Parsa and I are like a Woj and Sham sort of thing where he, you know, we beat him to the Nakashima scoop. Uh, we beat him now potentially to the Gojo scoop. Uh, you know, Parsa already tweeting out that Gojo's gone pro. Well, if he doesn't, <laughs> to you, Parsa. Uh, yeah, I... I think you guys are right. I think just on a surface level, the amount of talent, the amount of guys who would be really good four through sixes on a four through six team, uh, there's no doubt that this Wake Forest team has plenty of talent to compete with anyone, particularly lower in the lineup. Uh, but yeah, you know, they certainly lack the superstars they've had over these past four years from guys like Mansouri and Rubin to obviously Frisokos, Gojo, Roman Bogertz, after he transferred, was there for a year. Uh, they've had a definitive number one for a while, and they have Botzer, but, you know, he's probably a step below some of those other top guys in college. So my question to you here, Matt, uh, let's have some fun. 
let's say Gojo does come back, and you can say, oh, he's not going to come back, but just entertain my hypothetical, please. Where do they stack up, not only nationally, I guess start ACC and then go nationally, because with Gojo, with the depth they have, this team could find itself in a third national title match just on experience. I don't know if I'd go that far. I, I mean, possibly. I mean, you could be right there. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd go that far right now. I think it makes, you know, the matchup between Wake and North Carolina a hell of a lot more interesting if Bourne is there. Um, you know, and and possibly. I mean, again. Anything can happen when those teams meet up, man. I mean, I've, I've seen them play too many times. Weird things can happen. So, you know, if Bourne is in the fold, then possibly Wake could maybe cause an upset there. I still, I'm still not picking it. I'm, I'm going with UNC regardless. Um, but, of course, in the national fold then, I mean, I think... I think top eight is is certainly realistic. I mean, there's no reason why, with Borna Gojo leading the way, that these guys can't be a top eight team and host a super regional. I mean, there's there's just no question. You've got a botzer. You know, you've got the depth that we talked about. Guys that have gone deep. I mean, if Stathiu, Kungu, Banthia, they played last year, they went all the way to the final. Um, so these guys know what it takes. I think with Gojo leading the way, they're going to be right in that mix, top eight, hosting a Super Regional, fighting to get to the Final Four, which I I don't think they would do. I They're definitely not a Final Four team for me. Um, but again, th- none of that matters because Bourne is not going to play. <laughs> I, I, I agree with Matt on one part, which is the latter. Bourne is not going to play. But- but uh, uh, I will uh, only slightly disagree on the part that the only part that would be interesting about that North Carolina match would be the fact that we would get to see Blumberg and Goyo play again and the number oh, of cameras that would be yeah. stuck on all of the lines. <laughs> and that would, that, no would make it, that. that would make it a very interesting match. But, uh, but outside of that, no, I think even with him and the, and the North Carolina talent, it's just uh, it, it's too much. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough road, but but it certainly does put. But again, that puts them a, a right behind them in the ACC, and that good and and right that close to them in the ACC does put them in the in the mix for trying to go for one of those top eight seeds. I think without them, no, I, I don't like their chances at all. Uh, I don't think they have much of a chance of of getting one of those top eight seeds. Uh, but with him, uh, absolutely, I think they do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, then let's end there. We always like to talk about predictions for the year to end these teams, and I do have one bonus non-Wake Forest topic for the both of you uh, after this. But predictions for the year, I, I think we all agree, Gojo in the mix. They can compete for a conference title. They can compete for a top eight seed. But in the likelihood that Borna Gojo, who, again, top 300 at this point, does not come back to their team. Uh, Matt, I want to start with you. I think we've talked about it this whole time, a definitive number two in the ACC conference, but where do you have them stack up nationally? I, I assume you expect to see them at the national indoors, but is this a team you expect to maybe make you know semifinals indoors, quarterfinals, semifinals of the NCAAs, or is this a team no. that you think takes a step back this year? It's a rebuilding yeah, year. I, they, right. They, well, I, I mean, rebuilding, I hate to use that word because, I mean, Bresky would absolutely just despise the word rebuilding. <laughs> they don't really rebuild at Wake Forest. Um, so, you know, especially with him leading the way. So I, I don't think that's the word. But, yes, no, they definitely take a step back. I mean, look where they've been over the last few years. There's no question they're taking a step back. They have no chance at a championship, no chance at the Final Four. I think the absolute very best that they could hope for would be one of those top eight spots and and that is a stretch I mean like Chris talked about the chances of that happening are probably not very good but then again they're well coached weird things can happen that would be the absolute ceiling that I could see but even then I I don't like it I I just I I don't think so they're taking a step back 
Yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm with Matt. I think uh, I, I think a second in the ACC, solid. I think they make the ACC finals. They lose to North Carolina. They they get into NCAA's. I th- I think that they probably uh, land one of the sixteen host spots to for the you know for the first two rounds manage to hold their own but then they're not one of the top eight they've got to go on the road and you know then it's then it's a crapshoot you just gotta you gotta it's a matter of who you get where you're seated if they can manage to stay fairly high and be in one of you know the eight nine seven ten match maybe um but yeah we'll see I agree with you both, and I think when you look at this team, something when we talk to Coach Bresky and something we'll be able to learn by NCAA time, they're going to be battle-tested. They go to Baylor. They bring Virginia in at UCF in before the indoors. There's a team that afterwards I think they're going to Arizona State, to USC. They're going to get looks at all the top guys, and of course they are hosting in ITA Regional as well as hosting – Many teams throughout the I mean, they have the full ACC season to get better as well. Uh, this is a team that we'll certainly know much more about, as we will about all of these teams in May. But with a team with as much lineup flux as they do, it's even more, I think, important for us to watch them in their first early season dual matches. Yeah, I feel bad uh, saying this, but you're right. It's probably not the success they've had the past, you know, two out of the past three years they've entered the NCAA tournament as the number one seed. One of the years they didn't, they ended up making that NCAA final last year. Uh, You know, I think a lot of people thought going into that NCAA final match, it was theirs to lose against Texas and that they did lose that match. They just kind of ran out of steam. So, you know, that's something Coach Bresky is going to be monitoring all season long. And with a roster with as many quality players, he will be able to mix and match, not burn out any one player. I don't know. With Gojo, I think we could see this team certainly at the final site competing for a top eight seed, even surprising people on their veteran guile by making a semifinal run. And then once you're in the semifinals, everything, anything can happen. Without Gojo, yeah, I think for them hosting a top eight seed would be a huge success. I think for them to make the quarterfinals would be a success, make that final site. But yeah, round of 16, it's it's going to be tough for them, particularly given the new format of the round of 16 matches. I think that's probably where we end up seeing this team. I agree with you guys. Second in the conference behind a very talented UNC team, uh, but ultimately just outside of the elite group of teams we've talked about throughout this exercise. That sound about right, Matt? Yeah, it does, man. I'm right there with you. I think definitely saying that that top four is a huge stretch. Um, again, I I believe the absolute ceiling would be that quarterfinal round. If they if they got to the quarters, hats off, round of applause, golf clap, great job. That that's that's a great <laughs> year. That's a great year. And they're not going to think it is because look at the success that they've had. They're going to look at that and go, well, this sucks. You know, we're top eight. We should be top two. But, I mean, when you lose what, what they've lost, um, you're, you're bound to take a step back. So that's what I'm expecting. No, I think that's fair. And, again, if for more on their season, go listen to the interview Chris and I just did on the Cracked Interviews podcast with Wake Forest head coach Tony Bresky. Uh, obviously, such a great tennis personality has really been in uh, or a part of the majority of successful teams in 21st century college tennis, dating back to his time as an assistant at UVA. Uh, but one thing I want to do with both of you guys before we go, and it's going to stay college-related, the first ITA rankings for the preseason came out today. The top 25 is what I want to look at now. Uh, you look at some of the rankings, and we're just going to go across. And so I apologize if there's echo. Chris and I are sitting next to each other. More echo for you, Matt, than for you listeners. We seem to have blotted that out. But I'm going to tell you the team's ranking. Matt, then Chris, you tell me overrated, underrated, or about right. Sound good? And we'll start. We'll just do the top 16 since those would be the team's hosting regions. All right. All right. Let's start with number 16, Matt. South Carolina at 16. Over, under, just right. Um, I, I like that for now. I think it's about just right. I'm okay with that. I think they're going to be a good team. Chris, same question to you. Over, under, just right. I think a little underrated. I, I agree, and I think that's a team we're going to be talking about more and more as the season goes along. All right, we'll try and go through them quickly. Oklahoma State, overrated, underrated, just right. Yeah, probably a little over for me. I, I don't think top 15 for, for that team. 
Over. Man, I, my first inclination is to say overrated, but they bring Kalofsky in from Arizona yeah. State. Um, and I think that so may, maybe, and I think they've, they've still got so, some of the other guys that, that are all still coming back, and Hammond and Scalia and uh, uh, golly, I, I think that I'll, I'll stick with about right. Saw this. If Lucas Gurch's opening to this season is any indication, Oklahoma State's going to rock and roll. <laughs> but I agree with you guys. Properly rated. And we'll see them tested early on. All right. Number 14. Cal ended their season strongly. Matt, to you. Overrated, underrated, proper. Yeah, I think it's a little over. I'm not a huge fan of this team. Um, it, it might be close to about right, but I, I think a little over. Yeah. I'm I'm with Matt. I think slightly over. I mean, I, they're a top twenty team. I just they're right. Just like last year, I think they're at least kind of just on the outside looking in at those top sixteen teams. I think that's fair. All right, our next team, one that you know I think is underrated, number thirteen, Illinois. Matt and Chris. Yeah, no, I like where they're at here. I think that's about right for me. I mean, are they behind or in front of Michigan? No, oh, they're behind her in front of Michigan. <laughs> That's I, why it's about right, because they're right where they need to be, right in front of Michigan. Yeah, I, I, I think it's about right. For you to disrespect Michigan while we are doing this podcast in the Varsity Tennis Center, you're cut off from your Wi-Fi. I, I thought we were supposed to hit tonight. <laughs> oh, oh we boy. Can get in, we can get into that after the podcast of why that's not going to happen. All right, number 12, Stanford. I say over. What say you guys? Um, no, I'm going to say about right. I, I don't think that's over. I, I'm going to say that's about right. Man, I'll be honest. I haven't looked that closely. So they they obviously had to lose Samir Kumar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And one of... That honestly might one have been of the, two years ago. One of the Gen guys. And I can never remember whether it's Genender Jenison or, or Genender. Yeah, it was Genender. Okay, Will, Genender. William Jenison is still there. Okay. So they Actually, lose those two. Ah. Good Pac-12 this year. Cal, Stanford, UCLA, USC. So yeah, I'm gonna say that 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 might be that might be a little high for them. Yeah, it's again, it's gonna be an interesting year out there. Um, all right, number eleven, UCLA, overrated, underrated. I think that's under. I, I think UCLA can be a top ten team. I agree, um, I, Matt. I think they're under underrated. Yeah, I'll say underrated, especially if if Connor Hans comes back uh, and is in good form. Agreed. UVA we talked about in this pod. Number 10, much better than when they were at the year end. But I'd still say probably slightly overrated. Matt? Oh, for sure. Overrated. Overrated. Yeah, I'm not even going to put the slightly tag there. They're overrated. Uh, I'm not even going to put the slightly Man, tag there. Gruskin's just throwing me softballs at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're both ready to just get out of here. Um, all right, again, number 9, Texas A&M, a team we've both all been high on this offseason season. Overrated, underrated, just right. I I think they're under. I, I think they should be higher than nine, and I think they will be at the end of the year. So I'm going to say underrated. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say underrated as well, but not not by much. Maybe a spot because I, I really like the team, but I'm looking at everybody that's in front of them, and with the exception of I will I'll, I'll put them up a spot because Wake Forest is up in front of them, so I'll drop them. I'll drop Wake behind them. But then when I look at it, all the rest of those teams, I'm not sure I'm going to put them above any of them. But also, I'll give them a very slight underrated. Yeah, I think that's really good logic. Uh, we've talked about why they're an exciting team. Uh, they're probably the litmus test for what a top eight seed looks like. If you can beat them, you probably are one for sure. If you can't, you're probably not. Um, but okay, moving up. And again, we've talked about all of these teams. So just at this point, over, under, uh, or properly. TCU number eight, Matt and Chris. Uh, just right. Chris? I give, the again, the slight underrated only because they're behind Wake. So they'll be above Wake. Not sure they're really going to make it above too many of the others, but I'll give them at least a spot. So then number seven, Wake Forest. Overrated? Yeah, overrated. Overrated. All right, now we get into the fun stuff. Number six, Ohio State. Over-under. Just right, actually. Mm, I, I, I like them there uh, for now. I, I think that's perfect. Completely agree with you. And now we're entering that tier where I think Ohio State's the start of, okay, if things break right, this team could win the national title. Number five, Baylor. I mean, 
I want to say slightly under. I think Baylor's a top four team, so I'm going to say under underrated. Yeah, I'm 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 right there with you, Matt. I'll give them underrated. I think I slot them up in front of of the teams that we've got to go through. I'll I'll drop Texas below them and I'll put them in the yep. top four. I like that. Okay. And speaking of which, number four, UNC. I think we all three unanimous under. Yep. That's my team. I picked them to win the title, so I think that's a little under. Yep. Uh, yeah, they're a spot or two, uh, a spot or two low. Yep. USC number three, probably a spot low. Or two. Uh, I like them there at three. I'm okay. I think well, more that's that just they're about below right. Texas. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think, I, I think it's they're they're. I would put them above Texas, but they still might be three, three because we might have UNC. North Carolina too. I agree with that. Well, then Texas number two, just because they have a lot to prove, probably a little over. Overrated, Overrated. Just a bit. And yeah. then we all agree, preseason, Florida number one makes sense. Yeah, that, I'm fine with that. That's fair. It's totally, totally expected. Yeah, you've been saying it for months. <laughs> Welcome to indoors, Wisconsin. You get to play Florida. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, that's going to be really fun, and that's something we will be monitoring a ton as we get ready for this dual match season. It's crazy to say, but guys, only one more team to go. Number one, Texas, coming up next week. We'll talk to Bruce Burke on Monday, given that we're at the Varsity Tennis Center in Ann Arbor. Seems fitting that when we're done here, much like Bruce Burke was done with Michigan, we go on to have some more success next week with him and talk a little Texas tennis, what it's like coming off of a national championship, all of the fun that comes with that. Of course, we want if you've missed any of the action this week in Ann Arbor from our College Contender Series, be sure to check out our website, crackrackets.com. This podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, the Crack Interviews Podcast, where you can find our conversations with all of these top 10 coaches now uh, live. So go give those a listen. Of course, have a get a, a shout out to our sponsor, Aero Bar, the new tennis centric energy bar. Uh, more potassium than a, than a banana, more delicious than any of the garbage you're putting in your body now. And, of course, we've seen some of these guys at the challenger level pop them out of their bags. And so this is the fuel that's fueling the good people, you know, the, the actual tennis players. You don't want to be left out, and you can get 30% off your order by using our promo code CRACKED30. That's C-R-A-C-K-E-D-3-0. Uh, it, look, we're watching Hunter Reese and Evan Kane play at 10.07, and I promise they're fueled by the right stuff. And the right stuff is Aerobar. So for our listeners, go give that a look. Uh, again, one team left to go, which is a crazy thought. And with that in mind, Matt, any final thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, it's been a good run, guys. It's been a lot of fun. We got one more left next week, but I'm really just uh, I'm ready for these dual matches to kick off. Uh, I'm excited for the season to start. Amen. Chris, same question to you. Uh, same same as Matt. I just can't wait to see the dual match season. For most teams, uh, you know, get started this this weekend or, and or next week. You know, a lot of the teams this weekend with some with some cupcakes. But next week, there are actually, you know, some decent matches. Like right here at the VTC where North Carolina State comes to visit Michigan. Uh, we get some some actual good, good dual matches starting next week. So it's, it's time to get the season going. Upset alert. Fight your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god for you to say that at this time matt when you know i'm vulnerable with all of the tennis we've got going on here in ann arbor just devastating for me but of course yeah Love we are <laughs> no of course we are excited for that one other person who is not excited uh to have college tennis upon us or maybe he is excited but just not excited workload wise our super producers max Fleeter, daniel westoff who have a job to do but with college tennis pros back will really have a f- of an editing job to do as they always do and of course we are so appreciative for all of their work uh again chris and i will be recording our recap of the ann arbor challenger day three as well for today's feed so be on the lookout for that as i mentioned coach bresky podcast dropping tomorrow this podcast dropping tomorrow all the great stuff which you can find on our website crackedrackets.com to find the links for our play-by-play coverage this week in ann arbor social media twitter instagram facebook youtube it's all at cracked rackets but with that in mind, for my wonderful co-hosts, Matt, Stat- Matt Stachowiak and Chris Hallioris, for our super producers, Max Fleetner and Daniel Westoff, and from our entire teams at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Guys, what do we tell our listeners? That's, That's the break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.